Well, welcome everyone to this special episode of Under a Pile of Books uh, for Self-Published Fantasy Month. I am excited uh, to be here with uh, some wonderful authors and get the chance to uh, talk with them about uh, just a number of issues. We're doing this roundtable is um, a special episode dedicated to um, women authors in the self-published fantasy realm. Uh, And so I'm really excited to get to talk to these three today. So um, welcome, first off. And uh, if we want to kind of just go around here and introduce ourselves, that would be awesome. Um, Great. I can go first. My name is Azad Davis, and I have um, two fantasy novels that are published. I write urban fantasy and paranormal romance. Um, and my website is azaddavis.com. Okay. Um, I'm Angela Board, and I um, write epic fantasy. Uh, I only have um, one book out right now. It's uh, Fortune's Fool, which was uh, a Spiffo 5 finalist. Um, I have more in that series coming out soon. Um, Smuggler's Fortune, which is a novella that's a standalone in that series, is going to be out in the next couple of months. Um, my website is AngelaBoard.com. And um, on Twitter, I'm Angela Board, and I kind of variously hang out there. If you want to get in touch with me, that's a good way to do it. Um, I'm Carol A. Park, and I write epic fantasy as well, dark and epic fantasy. Um, Right now, I'm in the middle of uh, a series, The Heretic Gods. First book was Banebringer. I've also got Sweet Blade, uh, which is a standalone in that world, and the second book, Cursebreaker, out. Um, I've also got another book coming out the end of October, um, which is a brand new series, uh, which is epic fantasy. And then I will finish up The Heritage of Gods next year. Uh, My website is carolapark.com. And I I hang out on Twitter a lot too. Uh, It's at Park Carol A uh, is my Twitter handle. Well, welcome to all three of you. Of course, everyone listening, uh, you know me, uh, Calvin. I host Under a Pile of Books, um, and I am one of the co-hosts for uh, Self-Published Fantasy Month. So, uh, super excited to be here and and jump in with the three of you. So, thank you very much for your time, your willingness to uh, to do this and, and to chat here uh, this afternoon. So, to to kind of get us started in our conversation uh, this afternoon, what are some parts of self-publishing uh, that you love? And kind of going along with that, maybe what's an element of self-publishing that you don't love or maybe even go as far as hate? <laughs> well, I know I can say for me, I hate marketing and self-promo. <laughs> <laughs> I'll jump in with that part of it anyways. I'm not very good at it, and I always feel awkward doing it, so that's not something I enjoy very much. Uh, I do like the the freedom to do what I want to do when I want to do it of the writing process and publishing process, though, uh, as well as working with you know cover artists and getting to kind of have a lot of input into that sort of thing. 
Yeah, I'm kind of the same. Um, actually, I I really don't like all the the marketing self promotion type stuff, but because um, that's hard. <laughs> but I'd rather just you know kind of write my books and just throw them out there. But um, I so one thing about self publishing that I do like though is the ability to kind of um. I can change my deadlines if I want, <laughs> which <laughs> becomes a kind of a kind of an important thing when you're, you know, like trying to do a lot of other things at the same time and raise a family and and everything else that goes on, you know, when life happens. So that's kind of a, you know, it's still kind of stressful trying to get out your onto your self-imposed deadlines. They're all self-imposed pretty much. But if you have to change it, you you don't have to go through like a giant process of, you know, trying to like bring everything to a screeching halt because you need to rewrite a, a book again, you know? Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with um, what both of you ladies have said. I um, also really love the collaboration between cover artists and editors and having an idea and then months later seeing it come to life in a, a full-length novel. Um, it's pretty long and daunting, but at the end, it's like an amazing process that you do have so much control over. Um, and like you guys have said, I also have a family and um, I just couldn't imagine with my kids being so young um, if I had to work on someone else's deadlines mm. um, right now <laughs> at this stage in my life. So it's amazing that I'm still able to do this because I'm doing it under my own name and creating my own deadlines. And absolutely, that book marketing, it's tough and um, it's fun when a piece finally clicks and something's working, but it's such a huge learning curve. And so um, I don't think people realize how much time away from writing has to be spent with book marketing and that element of the business world. Yeah, I I think that's... um really interesting uh that that all three of you uh maybe you know less enthused with the with the the self promo and the marketing side of it um but obviously you know it's it's really cool the 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 actual crafting of the the you know the novel the story or whatever even even the cover art um now kind of maybe related in some ways to to what we were just just saying but but a little bit different um what do you think are some unique issues or challenges that uh women face as and particularly as self-published um authors well i think that um maybe you know I, i'm just speaking from my perspective here um because i know that that there are there are problems that everybody faces with having balancing life and and writing and business and self-publishing um i think that sometimes like you know being a a stay-at-home parent and 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 women are still i think more often the stay-at-home parents it gives you the flexibility of like being able to write at weird times of the day, just whenever you have the, you know, opportunity to do it. But it's also really hard 
and um, it's a, it's, you know, I have, I have nine kids, which makes me an outlier, but um, it's, it's tough no matter how many kids you have. And especially if you have little kids and you're not getting any sleep and, and, and then you're always on, even if like you put a kid down for a nap, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to sit down and write for a certain amount of time, you know, and like I said, you know, if any stay at home parent faces that, but because women often are the stay at home parent more often than, than the fathers are, I think that becomes an issue, you know, how to, how to write when you're also a mom. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd agree with that too. That's, um, I'm not, I'm, I, I guess not stay at home would be the wrong word. I work from home part-time, but then I'm also part-time. So I am at home and have had to juggle that uh, in addition to a part-time job. Um, so it does get to be a challenge um, working around that. And like Angela said, that obviously any stay-at-home parent is going to have that. Um, but there there are some unique challenges there. I, I think I've also found, and I've heard people say this, and I've found this to be true personally, um, I don't have statistics to back it up or anything, but I know that as a woman, sometimes I feel like maybe I and other women have been raised to not put ourselves out there to kind of um, like to toot your own horn is not really like acceptable. At least it's the way I was raised. And so that, that becomes a really hard thing to overcome when I'm trying to like do my own marketing, do my own book promo. I always feel like I'm just being, I don't know, arrogant or... (laughs) I'm not really sure, but somehow it always just feels wrong to me, but yet it's a necessary component of it. And I've heard other women say that that is somewhat can also be, you know, societally uh, conditioned too. So I don't know how many other women face that compared to men or, um, but that's something that I've found. Those are both, those are both, um, excellent points. I also feel like, um, starting the, self-indie um, route when it came to writing books that I don't know where I would be if I hadn't found some um, writer mom support groups, um, mainly uh, like through Facebook. And the amount of normalizing and validating that I got from there when I was um, just constantly encountering um, barriers in the beginning was just phenomenal. Um, and so you're right. It's like, I don't know quite how to answer that question as a, like strictly female, because I'm coming at it from someone who's a mom and having those, um, you know, wearing that child care hat versus the writing hat. And um, sometimes uh, they aren't distinctly at different times. Like you were saying, um, <clears throat> some people have gotten pretty good about um, putting kids down and or finding little moments and they're writing like 10 minutes here 30 minutes there throughout the day. Um, and other people uh, like myself, I'm more of a, I want to dive in deep. I want to just get lost in the fantasy world I'm creating. And I want to know that I have a distinct amount of time, whether it's an hour or four hours to write without interruption. And that is nearly impossible. Three years, it's been such a challenge to kind of develop a little bit more flexibility. Um, and also to carve out longer periods of time since I know I don't do as well with uh, short increments. Um, yeah, so so that's been interesting and challenging. 
Um, I'm also a stay-at-home writer mom, and my kids are under five, so I've got all that busyness happening in the in the background. Something else I'll add um, <clears throat> that might be a little bit different is I um, heard in conversations and reading a few articles that um, they say that sometimes um, with women that it's a little bit harder for us to compartmentalize. Um, and so even when we are away from home or away from our kids and we really are just being a writer in that moment, maybe in the back of our mind, we're still wondering about um, the house chores or how the kids are doing. Do they miss us? Did the father, you know, remember to um, give them, you know, their special blanket or, you know, <laughs> feed them food and that kind of stuff. And sometimes um, even when we're supposed to be devoting ourselves to work, um, we might have those distractions in our back. So they say like, um, you know, our kids are taking up like mental real estate or our families. Um, and that's for whatever reason that men might have an easier time just kind of having those divides and being able to not think about something and just focus on work or whatever the task is at hand. Um, so I don't know if that's a, a thing, but I heard it and it kind of rang true for me and my experiences. Yeah, I could say, I could say that that's probably true. Like, especially, um, like you, as I, I tend to want to dive deep and find big chunks of time. I have a hard time writing five minutes here. Writing, five, I really wish I could because with kids, that sometimes seemed to be <laughs> the way it is. But, um, but, but even when when I have those like 10, 15 minutes here or there, it's like I'm so my mind is so busy with everything else that I need to be doing. Um, you know, whether it's the dishes or you know laundry or you know the coffee pot told me it needs to be cleaned and I haven't done it yet. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, the kids are fighting in the background, even if I'm supposedly have a few, like, it's very, it's, it's hard to, I find I need that peace and quiet, which is not something I get a lot of, um, as a, as a, you know, writer mom, as you put it. So, um, that does, does play a part. Well, and too, I think that it's, you know, I have a problem sometimes if I sit down and, and write, like, you know, with all the other stuff that needs to be going on, am I paying enough attention to my family? And, you know, and then if I'm with my family, am I not writing enough? You know, it's like you're torn in all these separate directions. And um, it, sometimes there are some days when you never feel like you're doing enough for anybody, you know, not, not for yourself, not for your book, not for, you know, oh, and then going back to the marketing and promo, it's like, well, that just totally fell by the wayside. And, you know, there's piles of laundry and it's, it can get kind of to a, a point where like, there's got to be a better way than this, but it's like, you know, you kind of, I, I get, I get to those points and then it's kind of like, I have to step back and take a deep breath and then just figure out which thing am I going to do first <laughs> and then keep going. But I, I, I don't know, like, I, I can't say that, you know, that's specific to women. Like if you're a, a, a stay at home father that's trying to write, maybe you have the same issues, but, but that's where I'm coming from. That's my position. I do think the mom guilt is real. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's a, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that, that's really interesting. Um, just, just what you each were, were, were sharing there, particularly around, um, you know, the parenting thing and, and, and being moms and, um, 
you know, I think, I think certainly it's true. Some of that, um, would, would apply to dads, um, or, or potentially apply to dads, but I think that compartmentalization thing, um, again, painting with very broad strokes, obviously, um, is, is something really true. And, um, whether that's because traditionally, um, men, uh, you know, worked outside of the home a hundred, 200 years ago, more than women did or not, uh, you know, whatever, but there's certainly something there in terms of, um, in terms of compartmentalization that I think is, is kind of interesting. Um, let me ask sort of from a, from a, a different, maybe a slightly different perspective, you, you have each, um, chosen to, uh, publish under, uh, names, uh, you know, whether, whether your, um, your, your actual name or a pen name, you've, uh, chosen to publish in a, uh, with, with gendered names or, or names that reveal a, a particular, uh, gender. Um, and, I know many uh, female authors who uh, choose to take sort of a different uh, track, uh, you know, and, and publish perhaps with uh, initials for their their given names, and then use uh, you know their surname, or uh, choose a a pen name that uh, has uh, you know somewhat of a of a gender neutral um, uh, kind of, kind of perspective to it. So, uh, I'm, I'm curious for, for the three of you, uh, just individually, was that a conscious choice that you made or was it something that, you know, you didn't really necessarily think a lot about. You just said, Hey, you know, here's my name. That's what's going to get, you know, put on the cover, you know? Um, so was that like a conscious choice for you? Was it something that you, you thought about or, you know, did it just, how did that kind of decision get made? That's an excellent question, Calvin. Um, for me, my first name is relatively unique. Um, mm -hmm. It's uh, Arabic, uh, Azah. And so for me, I didn't have that issue of being like, oh, you know, my name is, um, you know, um, Mary or Jane or something where there's a thousand of them that already publish and I needed some kind of uh, better way to have name recognition. So because of that aspect, I decided to keep um, my name. And also, I wasn't writing in a genre that was very um, taboo, uh, where I felt like I wanted a little bit of separation from it. And I also didn't have an employer at the time where I had to worry um, if my writing was going to have any sort of negative influence on my other career, um, or, you know, the one where... Um, I've worked so hard at and, you know, um, I'm employed by other people and all that. So without having those three factors um, hold me back, I didn't see a reason not to use my own name uh, to write fantasy novels. So that's how I came to that decision. And I was never really worried about um, if certain people would rather not read from a female author. Yeah, I um I actually did think about a pen name, but mostly that was because my last name is so weird and I was pretty sure that people were going to misspell it. Um <laughs> <laughs> but in the end um and I did I did think about initials too. Um and mostly because I definitely 
wanted to be seen as um, the book that I wrote, Fortune's Fool, has a strong romance um, plot line through it. Like it, it is a love story, basically, but it's a love story with a lot of grit and blood and <laughs> stuff. So <laughs> guns. But um, I, I, I wanted, I was curious at the beginning as to how, like if I could have run an experiment to see how people would have reacted to reading the book with initials, as opposed to with the female name, you know, I was, I would have been tempted to do that. But in the end, I decided that I was going to own my book, that I wanted to have it under my name because it had been taking me a lot of years to get to finish and I was proud of it. And so I wanted it to be out there as mine and, you know, whatever was going to happen when I published it was going to happen. I didn't have any control over that, but I was going to take ownership of it. Yeah, I, I, I put thought into it too. Like you, um, Angela, I considered, I considered briefly doing initials. I considered doing like CA Park um, because I knew that at least I, I had in my head, I mean, I'm hoping these, this is changing, but at least historically, um, you know, people, epic fantasy in particular, dark fantasy, um, you know, you see people always wonder, they see a female name and they, you know, the, the old, the old like stereotype of, well, it's a female name. You must be writing young adult. Not that there's anything wrong with writing young adult, <laughs> but it's like, why, why? So I always, I was like, Maybe I should do CA or or something else. I considered uh, other alternatives, but kind of like you, Angela, I did um, finally decide. You know what? It is what it is. Um, this is my name, and I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna try to hide that. And I'm. I totally get why some, uh, you know, woman authors do take initials, and I I get that. Um, but I was just like, it is what it is, and I'm just gonna see what happens. So yeah. <laughs> Well, th thank you, each of you, for for kind of sharing your perspective on that. You know, I think it's, um, I think it's really helpful, and and, and also I I hope that uh, just as a as a genre, as a community, uh, you know, the the sci fi fantasy community is is coming to a point where, um, you know, future authors feel less, um, you know. Like, like, don't, don't even have to have, you know, that, that thought process, uh, you know, in, in terms of, oh, will someone kind of, um, you know, type this work a certain way, or refuse to read it or, or that kind of thing. Cause, um, you know, I, obviously I don't think that's, <laughs> I don't think that's helpful, um, <laughs> as a way of thinking, uh, just, just for us as a community or whatnot. Um, now, so speaking a little bit of that kind of future, um, uh, direction or or future goal hope uh, for the community. Um, how do you see just just as as writers as authors? How do you see the the fantasy genre or maybe self publishing developing over the next five years? Obviously, self publishing now is quite different than it was uh, five years ago. Um, and so, where do you see it going in the in the next uh, five years? And I know this is like the 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 that that like, uh, you know, interview question or whatever, like, where do you see yourself in five years? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so, but no, you know, where, where do you see, where do you see the genre uh, kind of headed or where do you see self-publishing headed? I, I see a lot. I mean, I see a lot of really neat stuff happening in, in self-publishing. There's a lot of 
amazing books that are coming out and um, just so many people are taking things in ways that, um, you know, trying different things and not feeling um, beholden to um, even necessarily like the market, like, um, and what, what that might be though. Um, and I, I just, I want to see that continue. I'd like to see self-publishing push the boundaries more, um, you know, breaking stereotypes and um, doing things that maybe traditionally publishing would shy away from. I've seen a lot of, a lot more character work done. I know Angela, um, I've read your book, <laughs> which is, is, you know, really all about character and is amazing. And, I'm, and is something that I've seen more and more from in self-publishing uh, fantasy. So um, I'd love to see just all those trends of pushing boundaries in all sorts of different ways continue and um, authors feeling the, um, freedom to do that because they can, because really no one is telling us what to do or not to do. I mean, obviously we have some self-imposed boundaries, but it's, it's, you can do, uh, push those boundaries. Yeah. And I hope that, you know, I, I do think I see like every year kind of more and more people becoming interested in indie fantasy, like that they, they think like that it's, it's okay. The, the stigma kind of goes away a little bit more. And, um, I think that probably over the next five years, I mean, hopefully that's going to continue. It's going to become more normalized where the audience for it is going to grow because there's going to be less stigma as people get into it and figure out, Hey, you know what? This is really kind of cool there. And like, Carol was saying that there's they're pushing the boundaries. There's so many people out there writing so many different stories. It's it's really amazing and um, and just really good stuff. And I hope I see that continuing. And I and I think that as time goes on, more and more people will find out about it. And you know that will that will be a a good thing for everybody for just fantasy in general. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the only things that I would add is just that um, as I've been tuning in more to the um, indie author world and the sci-fi fantasy world over the last couple of years, um, I've started to discover um, more and more um, of these um, boxes of books, kind of like a, subscri a subscription service that goes out. And I think that that's pretty exciting that that's happening um, with indie books and um it just echoes how much collaboration is happening between authors. Um, and so, yeah, um, depending on what type of fantasy um, you like to read, there's uh, a few different options out there now. And on top of that, um, I've been seeing a lot more um, box sets for eBooks and people being able to find a really good bundle, um, whether they want dark fantasy, epic fantasy, or fantasy, you know, featuring female leads and or um, featuring like diverse protagonists, like all that stuff. Um, so all those different collaborations are, are pretty cool. Um, other than that, um, I personally have not dived into audiobooks, but I know that that is becoming just more and more popular over time. And I wonder if um, the next step would be to um, not go into short film necessarily, but just to um, see like book trailers and maybe even um, uh, maybe like, like uh, live readings, cold readings of stories uh, just become more and more prominent um, 
as people crave not just audio, but want to see even more visual attached to those stories. I feel like um, it's kind of interesting how those lines are blurring. Yeah, I think I think that's um, that that's a really good point, as uh, because um, one of the I was I was talking to someone recently, and they were they were pointing out, you know. Um, you know, maybe a decade ago, the big, huge thing was uh, like eBooks, you know, this, this movement to more eBooks, um, which obviously uh, I think played a role in self-publishing becoming as prominent as it is. Um, and then, you know, uh, this, this move to audiobooks and, and just how popular and, and what a big slice of the pie audiobooks are now. Um, and, and uh, this person I was talking to was kind of like suggesting that, you know, whatever the next thing is, right. Whether that be, that be some sort of a, a visual, um, medium to go along with books, you know, some, some kind of a, like an animated, uh, graphic novel kind of thing, you know, that you have an ebook and that, but, but that's almost like a narrated, you know, moving picture kind of thing. Um, but not quite animation. So, you know, it was, it was interesting, you know, do we go in that direction, you know, um, or, or what other direction, you know, might the, uh, sort of the publishing world overall take. And I'm, I'm really curious to, to see what happens. I basically, every time I, I review a book on uh, the podcast, if it doesn't have an audio book available, I'll get a message or two. Hey, do you know if an audio book, you know, is the author going to do an audio book for this? Because, you know, I, I, I mostly, you know, consume my books through audiobook now and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it, it's, it's definitely, um, you, you know, the, the, the world, the, world of publishing and even self-publishing is, is changing pretty rapidly. So. I know I'd like to see just as a follow-up, I kind of something that was in my head is both Azza and Angela, as you guys were talking was that I feel like you can wrap it up in indie publishing really being coming seen as on the outside as, you know, we're professionals. Like we really are authors, like not just, and, and that is expanding into all sorts of different mediums and pushing the envelopes and, um, I think as we get more and more and more of that, I'm hoping we'll have more mass to be able to, to do cool things that are hard when you're just your own person doing that, that thing out there, like being able to do hardback versions without, um, you know, being able to do more Kickstarter type stuff. Um, I'd love to see somehow one day being able to not be so beholden to Amazon for everything. <laughs> <laughs> because it really goes against the grain of being independent <laughs> that somehow I still have this like big thing that I have to whatever. So all those things would be great. And I think the more perfect, the more we're seen as professionals, the more, the more of us there are, the more say and more voice we have to, to, to do all those cool things in the future. So. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. And sort of to, uh, kind of to, to, to wrap it up here, final question for, for each of you. Um, just what do you love about the science fiction fantasy genre? Um, I'll, I'll grab that question first. Um, so I, I mean, I, I like reading, uh, or watching like, uh, romance and action and all horror every once in a while. But, um, there's just something about the what if question in fantasy, something about that alternative world where like one thing is different. That's just so fascinating and so intriguing. And, um, when it comes to fantasy, I love that you get to see a little bit more, um, 
sometimes uh, like representation or inclusion uh, that you might not be seeing in other genres um, by having people with, you know, purple skin <laughs> or you know, <laughs> you know, people with four arms, you know, as like the main character. <laughs> and there's this, um, you know, and it's not so cookie cutter, you know, what the protagonist looks like or their backstory. Um, and yeah, it just, it just lends its, uh, leads the way in terms of, um, like I said, that diversity and inclusion that I think it's so exciting. And so, um, like I'm a female writer of color and I personally, um, always loved fantasy and always wanted to see myself in those main characters a little bit more. And I'm so grateful that I'm in this place in my life where I can use my talents, um, with writing to tell these, uh, fantasy stories about women of color um and the way that I've been tweaking it um with my newer work that's more into the paranormal side um it's that my first uh, urban fantasy series Nadira Holden uh Demon Hunter it was about like a that's the the typical like badass strong you know tough female who's a warrior and she's leading the charge and she's saving the world and I loved it and it had like um a nod to like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and <laughs> that and um I'll continue to write books in that series um but the newer stuff that I'm writing now that I have a little bit more experience and confidence under my belt is um women in fantasy who are actually a little bit softer, not victims, not damsels in distress, but who are a little bit more ordinary or a little bit more um, without some special ability or, you know, superhuman strength. And how do they navigate these paranormal worlds and uh, what about them can be interesting. And it's just really fun that um, as an indie author, I get to play around with all these ideas. And it's really in fantasy where I feel like I have the most uh, free reign. I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty awesome too. Actually, <laughs> I I love that. Um, um, I, I love fantasy. I mean, for a lot of reasons. I love magic. I mean, I love. I and going along with that, I love the imaginative. I love the creativity. Um, you know, just the ability to kind of step outside our world and imagine different things, even if you're writing in this world, but adding magic or writing a completely secondary world. Um, there's just a level of you can do something different and new and um, let, really let your imagination soar with, I mean, you could do almost anything. <laughs> I mean, it's fantasy, right? You can make something up as long as it makes sense in your world. So um, that's what really appeals to me the most, as well as I think being able to tell stories in imaginative ways um, that can still address things in our world um, without it seeming like some sort of, um, like, I, I'm not quite sure what I'm trying to say here, but you can kind of bring in themes and things and address them in a different world or in a different way um, without it having to be, you know, the year 2020 <laughs> came around or whatever. So um, I think fantasy and science fiction too lends itself to that. So um, I like being able to to play with that as well. Yeah, I would. I I like the same things as both of you. <laughs> I like, I you know, it's, it's just kind of... Um, there aren't any bounds. So fantasy, and I, I read other stuff too. I read romance, like historical romance and I, 
you know, I like some horror and some mystery and thrillers and, and a lot of those things. But I think in fantasy, it's like you can put them all together mm. and, you know, you can, you're not tied to reality in any way. <laughs> you're just, you can explore what characters would be like in a, in a totally different, totally foreign, totally alien place and what that would, how that would affect them, you know, like how would, how would people react if you could, you know, use magic to alter your reality? What, what if you could do this? Like what, what, how would that change you? How would that change the, the stories that, that we tell? And, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, I guess I, I probably, don't want to sound too intellectual about it though, because I, I just really think a lot of that stuff is cool, but <laughs> you know, and I, when I write stuff, I'm like, well, like, how can I have fun here? So I just throw mm-hmm. it in. But, um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's for me, that's, that's what it is. It's just, it's, it's just nice. I, I don't like to be kind of bound to like, well, this happened in, you know, 19, 19- 97 and I can't change it. Because I like I, the no boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> I like the way of putting that. No bound. Like just, yeah, I like the way you put that. Well, thank you very much to all three of you. I appreciate so much uh, your time. This, this was a fun conversation. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah.